You are listening to an audio message from The Well, a church in Hastings, Nebraska that seeks to be relevant, relational, and real. For more information, visit www.thewellhastings.com. I have on my pulpit a rain pop this morning. Somebody asked me to marry them, and it wasn't Christy. <laughs> I know I mentioned this last week. Uh, Andrew, Heather, we're, we're all really excited you guys are getting married, and I am excited to be a part of that wedding with you guys. I do almost hope that that is the weekend that I'm in California, because then we can do your wedding on the beach. That'll be fun. Hey, for those of you that are new, my name is Pastor Joe. I'm one of the leaders here. I'm excited to be with you to preach the scriptures. We have the kids in here with us this, this week as we do our family feast weekend. We usually keep the kids with us so that families can be together uh, we, we believe that that discipline of families worshiping and hearing the word together occasionally, if not on a very systematic and continual basis, is important. And so, uh, uh, so that's why we have the kids in here with us, and that's why we'll be doing that family feast. Who likes food? Yeah, I love food. I think food is real important for every church to engage in eating together, and so we will be doing that this afternoon uh, as soon as I get done preaching. I will try to keep this as short as possible, I will give you a heads up that this message this morning was originally uh, six or seven points long. I narrowed it down and cut some out this morning because I realized I would be preaching while you guys were eating. And I don't want to do that. So if you would, it's four. We got it down to four. <laughs> we got it down to four. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to be with you guys. We're going to jump back into the book of Luke. And again, for those of you that are new with us, those of you that have maybe been gone for a while... We started the book of Luke many moons ago. <laughs> I think it was moons. That would be the right way to say it, because I know it was months. And we're just getting into Luke chapter 3, and some of you might be saying, why, why are you taking so long? We're going to stay in the gospel of Luke for a couple of years, okay, a couple of years. And I just want to say up front, the reason for that is, is that we live in a microwave society that wants our stuff fast. We want it now. We want it quick. We want to move on. Uh, but what we believe here is that Christianity is to be a slow-cooking, slow-baking process, and we believe that God would show us much about his son Jesus and the message of the gospel through this letter that Luke writes as he focuses us on uh, being able to, to have certainty on who Jesus is, what he came to do, and who he continues to be and the work he continues to do today. So that said, we're going to spend a few years on it. We're just jumping into Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 14 this morning. As you turn there, I want to open us in prayer. So turn there, bow your heads, pray with me. Father, Father, we bless you this morning. We're grateful to you, Lord God, that your spirit is here this morning, that you have filled this place with, with people who are coming to hear from you. Lord, I know that I stand in this pulpit prepared to preach and to speak and to proclaim the words that I believe that you have given me this week as I've studied this section of text. But Lord God, I pray that you would be honored and I pray, Lord God, that you would be the one who speaks this morning. And God, I pray that, I pray that your, word, your word would be alive and active in our midst and God, that you would just cause our hearts to turn 
to you, that you would, that you would cause the evidence of repentance and, and, and the change of direction and the, and the gospel to, to transform and to change and to permeate every aspect of each and every individual's heart and lives here this morning. Lord, I lift up our kids as they are in here with us today. Lord, I pray that they would be attentive, that you would help them to be able to listen. Uh, Lord, I know that they will... Uh, at times be impatient and be moving around and can be a distraction. And Lord, that's okay. Where we, we observe the times when you just preached on the hillsides to multitudes of people where children were present and you were glad to have them there. And so, Lord, we are glad to have the children with us this morning. We pray, God, that as we can smell the food in the air, we, we, we dream and we think about the nourishment that that food is going to bring to us here in a few minutes. And we've got to pray that your word would be nourishing to our hearts this morning. So Lord, we love you, we bless you, we give you this time. We pray that you be moving in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So every year, our family takes a, what we call, Merino family vacation. I don't know if you guys grew up taking vacations, if some of you still may do so. Uh, it kind of brings up, conjures up memories of uh, of, of um, some movies that we see on TV where they're, it's kind of, got Chevy Chase in it and they're driving down the highway and they're all in their, in their uh, station wagon and so on and so forth. Well, we don't take a station wagon because we don't have one. When I was a kid, we had one. But every year we take what we call the Merino family vacation. And, and this one year, you can see by the picture on the screen, is a picture of a 42-foot lawn RV. Okay, now I've never driven a vehicle that big. I've driven some some tractors and some trucks with trailers and things like that, but I'd never driven an RV this big. And a, and a, and a buddy of mine who owns the taxi cab company in Lincoln, his name is Kirby. Uh, he doesn't own Kirby Vacuums. He owns taxi cab company. And uh, he was a buddy of mine, and uh, um, he had this 42-foot-long RV. And, and, and our family was planning to go to Nashville, Jackson, Tennessee, actually close to Nashville, going to Jackson, Tennessee to visit a family, some friends that we had there. And, uh, and so my buddy, he goes, he goes, well, man, you guys have a lot of kids, so let me loan you my RV. He'd gotten this brand new, it looked a lot like this, brand new 42-foot lawn RV. And in all honesty, I think down one side it said repent in big letters. And then down the other side it said Jesus in, the, in other letters. And I think the license plates... I think said John 3.16 or something along those lines. And so uh, I just remember driving down the interstate, trying to keep this thing on the road, learning how to drive this big thing. And they had a CB radio in, in, in there as well. And like the truckers that were on the, uh, on the interstate too, uh, they were kind of upset at me because I couldn't keep it between the lines very well. And I, I kept cutting people off. And so all the truckers were kind of cussing me out, you know, things like, you know, a typical Christian trying to push his way in and all these things. And and so we're, we're, we're taking this big RV on vacation, and it was, I was white knuckle, right? It was like, thir- it was a 13-hour drive, I think, from here to Jackson, white knuckled the entire way there. I'm, I'm yelling at the kids, shut up and sit down and be quiet, I'm driving this crazy thing. It was insane. And then we took it, I mean, if that wasn't bad enough, driving down the interstate with this big lug that I'd never driven before, we decided to head into Nashville. Drive around Nashville, see the sights, see the sounds, get some food. We were going to find a camping place to plug the RV in and stay overnight, do some fishing. And so, and we loaded this other family in the RV. So now you got two large families in the RV. We're 
driving through the streets of Nashville, and if you've never driven in a big city like Denver or Phoenix or L.A. or Nashville, then you don't know what I'm about to talk about, but you might be able to get a picture in your head. We're driving through these busy streets, four to six lanes of traffic. I'm trying to navigate this big stinking boat all over the place. At some point, we took a wrong turn, started heading the wrong direction. Anybody ever head the wrong direction on accident and just get the directions off in your car? Well, see, in a car, it's one thing, but in a 42-foot-long RV, it's, it's an entirely different story, Okay. And so, so I'm listening to somebody, you know what, the, you know what it's like, like it's, you got a whole bunch of people in the RV with you, and I'll pick on my wife for a minute, too, like her dad's a truck driver, so she grew up with daddy, dearest, knowing how to drive all these roads, and she's pretty certain she knows which way I should go, so I've got her telling me where to go, lovingly and mercifully, of course, and she was probably, she was probably right, I'll say that now, I just put it on record, and, and then she can go back and look at it anytime we're arguing, she can say, you said I was right, so sucks to be you, so she was probably right, but then I've got, you know, I've got all the kids, I mean, even little Lewis, who's in his car seats, yelling at me and waving his hands, like, go that way, and they're all trying to tell me, so I just, we get lost, okay, bottom line, we get, we get super lost. Uh, somebody says, take a right on this street. So I take a right, dead end. Crap. 42-foot-long RV, and we're at, a, we're at a dead end sign. And basically, i got to back this beast up, right, into a driveway. I think it was a residential driveway or a gas station, one of the two. I had to back that beast up down this dead end road to get us turned around to come back out so we could get headed the right direction. So everybody's bailing out the side door of the RV. Number one, I think they're scared I'm going to roll this thing in the ditch and everybody's going to drown. <laughs> but everybody's bailing out the side door and everybody's going to stand outside and like try to give me directions, you know, like those dudes that you see on the, on the, uh, you know, the airline flight attendant people out on the runways, you know, I mean, they're, everybody's out. I'm looking in my mirrors and, and uh, it was insane. I, I did finally get the thing turned around uh, and it was it was, it was super, super difficult. This, I believe, is the picture that, that John the Baptist, that Luke is going to paint for us today as he shares this story of John the Baptist preaching to a group of people. And I believe the point that, I, that he wants to get across to us, and that I hope that we would remember and take home and write down, log in our journals, write in the side margins of your Bible, memorize this, stick it on a sticky note in the dash of your car so you remember, I think it's this. Repentance means turning or changing your direction. I'll say it again. Repentance means turning or changing your direction. I believe this is the story that, that Luke is sharing with us today as he paints this picture of John the Baptist. And here's the deal. Whenever you find that you're heading in the wrong direction and you've got to turn around, change course, turn in the right direction, what is happening is that at that moment, you're essentially hearing the message of repentance. You might say, how is that? The message of repentance is what causes each of us to turn, change direction, change the course of our life and head in a completely different direction than we were going before. Many would say this is the principle of making the U-turn on the road of life. That's the message of repentance. And that's what we're getting ready to say today because that is what John the Baptist was preaching. So let's look at the text. 
Luke 1, or Luke 3, sorry, Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. If you're there, please say I'm there. Good, let's begin. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iturea, and Trachonitis and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priests of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So the deal is this, that John the Baptist is preaching repentance at a specific time, a specific place, to a specific group of people for the specific purpose of calling people to walk in the forgiveness of their sins. And here's the deal. I'll just set the context just for a minute. I mean, John the Baptist is like the first person to, to quote unquote have the word of the Lord come to him in a few hundred years. God had quote unquote to some extent been somewhat silent in terms of bringing a prophetic word to people. Jesus is, is on the scene now and we know that John the Baptist is his cousin. We know that if we were here earlier for part of this study, that John the Baptist basically preached a message in the womb as Mary, pregnant with Jesus, shows up to see Elizabeth, who's pregnant with John the Baptist. John the Baptist leaps in her womb, pointing to and proclaiming the Christ, which reminds us that our lives should at all times point and proclaim the Christ who is coming, that we may repent and walk in forgiveness and turn and change the course, the direction of our lives. And so here's, here's John the Baptist going into all the region of the Jordan, proclaiming this baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And what an unlikely character, right? What an unlikely character. Uh, if we look at other Gospels, like the Gospel of Matthew, for, for instance, would, would, would uh, explain to us that John the Baptist is living out in the wilderness, kind of a dirty character, okay? Living out in the wilderness. He's wearing, uh, he's wearing camel for clothing, he's, he's eating locusts and honey. Anybody want to eat some locusts and honey for the family feast after this? No? Kids? No locusts and honey? I mean, okay. okay. So this, this is John the Baptist preaching this message in this place. A message that is uncommon, if you will, too, in churches today. The message of repentance is not something that we often want to hear, listen to, or preach because, because it doesn't make friends. Because we're not going to win brownie points by preaching that message. And, and the picture that I get of John the Baptist is that he wasn't super concerned about making friends. He wasn't super concerned about earning brownie points. He wasn't super concerned about whether you like him or didn't like him or liked the way he was dressed or didn't like the way he was dressed. Obviously, didn't, like the, didn't care if you cared about what he ate, right? And so this message that he preaches... He comes and he preaches it very boldly and very straightforward. Let's look at, look at verse 4. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Verse 5. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And so John the Baptist is is recalling the words of, a, of another prophet, the prophet Isaiah. He also preached this message of repentance in light 
of the coming Savior who is Jesus. All of the prophets in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus and John the Baptist is taking up that same mantle and pointing to the same person of Christ. Verse 7 says, He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. Now you talk about a seeker-sensitive service, right? Think about that for a minute. This is not an attractional service when, when John the Baptist walks up front and he says, you guys that are here, all a brood of vipers. I don't think he says it that tenderly either. I think when John the Baptist says it, I think he's pounding the pulpit. I, I think his face is red. I think he's upset. I think he's angry because I think he knows the group of people that have begun to follow him are struggling with sin in their lives and they need to hear the message of repenting from sin and turning from the harmful, destructive things in their lives and the way that they treat themselves and other people around them. And they need to head a different direction. And I think what John the Baptist is saying is, hey, you guys are like a brood of vipers, snakes, snakes. That's what you are. Trying to flee from the damnation that you're headed towards and the, the burning fire that you're headed towards but as you flee from that in fear, you still want to live like snakes. I think that's what John the Baptist is saying when he's preaching this message. It's not an easy message to hear. And if it weren't for the Holy Spirit, I think everyone would have left the scene immediately. He says, You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Verse 8, bear fruits in keeping with repentance, meaning that, hey, you know what? Repentance in our lives, there should be some evidence of it in our lives. We cannot come and say we follow Jesus and claim the name of Christ, yet live lifestyles that have not changed. There has to be fruit in our lives. Are there going to be moments of failure and moments of of sin in your life? and Are we still going to struggle this side of heaven? The answer resoundingly is yes. The fruit of re repentance in our lives is changed, meaning we no longer hide and we no longer run and we no longer fake it and we live open and vulnerable and transparent before people. We no longer live like snakes. We now live like changed people. It says, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So John the Baptist, is he's not looking for fake Outward repentance. He's looking for true repentance that is evidenced in fruitful living. And listen, when he says, when he says this, he says, Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. You might say, I have no idea how that really translates or cross-communicates to me. Let me just lay this out for you real quick right now here so we get it. Okay? Everybody paying attention? You and I may not sit here today and say, well, we're children of Abraham. But you might sit here with me and say, I'm in a church this morning. Or we might say, I gather with a certain group of people. Or, or I come from a long history of religious practices. That's basically what John the Baptist is warning 
his followers and his hearers, his listeners against. He's saying, listen, don't get there. Don't start saying because of all my outward religiosity, all the, the things that I say, if it's not tied to some inner change that has truly happened in our hearts, then it's, it's merely outward fake appearances and it's, it's not true repentance. So look at, look at verse 10. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? Man, that's a great question, right? That's a great question. That's, that's the question we all should be asking when we hear from the word of the Lord. Oh, crap. What, what should I do? The crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share them with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. So John the Baptist, in this moment, has the crowd rocked enough? He has he said some very straightforward things in, in such a way that they are now asking how they can begin to live repentant lifestyles. And so he describes repentance as something that is that is physically visible and individually specific for every person. Let me say that again. As John the Baptist describes repentance, he says repentance is something that is physically visible. But it's individually specific. I mean, it's specific for each and every one of us. And one other quick little point about this section of text I'm going to move on is that if you were to dig into this section, verses 10 through 14 specifically, you find that, that when he's saying, hey, if you want to know, you want to know if repentance is truly visible in your life, everything that he talks about in that area is specifically tied to how we handle our money. All of it. Clothes. Food, extortion, paychecks, it's tied to how we manage our money. And what he's saying is he's saying, look, the way that you manage your wealth, the way that you manage your assets, the way that you steward the things God has given you is a direct link to the depth of repentance or the authenticity of repentance in your life. And so John the Baptist basically says that when repentance, when the message of repentance is at work in you, it's physically visible. It's tied to something invisible, spiritual, inside of your heart, and it's specific for every single person. So let's break this down. Let's look at a couple of observations. Okay? I always like to ask this question, what observations can we apply to our lives today? What are some things that we can draw out of the text that we can apply to our lives that will, that will help to direct and guide the changing of our lives and the message of repentance at work in us. Let's look at number one. Number one, the message of repentance calls people to walk in the forgiveness of sin. If you look back in verses one through three, John the Baptist preached repentance at a specific time, a, a specific place to a specific group of people for a specific purpose of calling people to walk in the forgiveness of sin. It's very specific. It's not just a general message. It's specifically meant for, for those of us specifically. I, I keep saying that because it's important that we understand the message of repentance is specific 
and it's specifically about us walking in the forgiveness of sin. It calls us to turn from our sin and to seek God's forgiveness. And and God's forgiveness is, is only made available through our faith in the cross of Christ and the the work that Christ did at the cross that day. Our faith cannot be placed in anything that we think, do, or say. It must be placed in him and him alone. Because in Christ alone, you and I are able to receive true forgiveness. So it's it's all about walking in forgiveness. And then here's some questions. In what ways have you not been receiving God's forgiveness? In what ways have you not been applying God's forgiveness to your life? In what ways have you been applying God's forgiveness in unhealthy ways? Oh, he'll forgive me of that so I can keep on sinning. That's one way we all do this. Uh, even though I struggle with pornography, I'm going to continue struggling with it because God will forgive me. There, there shouldn't really be any actual lasting change there, should there? Because God will always forgive me of all things. This is a common misconception of God's forgiveness. Yes, God wipes the slate clean due to our faith and our trust in Christ. But repentance is part of turning in faith because repentance is turning from sin to Christ, which means sin gets eradicated. Now, let me tell you something. As soon as this one thing gets eradicated from your life, you're probably going to have something else spring up. I think it was John Calvin that often said, as soon as you chop down one idol at the roots, another one will pop right back up in its place. Our walk of following Jesus isn't about saying, I belong to this church, or I belong to that church, or my pastor is this, or our worship team is that, or my gospel community is this. Following Jesus is about this lifestyle of repentance. Lifestyle of repentance. Everybody say lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of repentance whereby we walk in the forgiveness of sin. Y'all remember maybe Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Meaning there's no condemnation for you, so there's no reason to hide, to fake it, and to pretend. We can instead simply say, I biffed it. I messed up. I need you to forgive me. I was an a-hole there. I was a jerk on this one. I'm really sorry. I need you to forgive me again. I'm repenting. That's the evidence of repentance. The opposite of the evidence of repentance is when people shield themselves, hide from you, walk away, don't repent, never change, continue to fake. That's the opposite of the evidence of repentance and the evidence of forgiveness in our lives. So what does it look like for you to continually be set free from your sinful motivations and your sinful behavior as you apply God's forgiveness to your life? Man, how can you, how can you get to a place where you begin to quit beating yourself up for the past? How do you get to that place? How do you apply God's forgiveness in such a way that you no longer are beating the crap out of yourself day and night, A, or hiding B, from the things that you have made mistakes in? What does it look like for you to simply repent and receive forgiveness and have your lifestyle marked by repentance? Look at, uh, look at number two. Number two, the message of repentance points people to Jesus as the Messiah. 
In verses 4 through 6, what we observe was John the Baptist recalling the words of another prophet, right? This other prophet is Isaiah. Uh, and he, he also preached the message of repentance. I think it was in chapter 40, I believe, of the book of Isaiah. I think this is where you, you catch Isaiah saying the things that are being quoted here. And what he's doing is he's pointing forward. He's pointing forward to our Savior who is Jesus, just as John the Baptist is standing in the midst of it and looking right at, and just as we look back towards Jesus. The message of repentance that points us to Jesus is a prophetic announcement or proclamation of the person and the work of Jesus. Listen, any other message that points you to five quick self-help steps or or five pop psychology steps to changing the direction of the course of your life is not the true biblical message of repentance. You follow me? The true biblical message of repentance must always push you and I back to the message of the gospel. And if it pushes us back to the message of the gospel, then it will always push us to the feet cross of Christ. Always push us there. But so many of us every day are are turning ourselves to other things that are not Jesus. And they, they are not biblical repentance. We're turning to men or we're turning to women or we're turning to our jobs or we're turning to our studies or we're turning to this plan or that plan and we're not truly turning to the gospel message that points us to Jesus. And that's the message that John the Baptist is preaching today as he's saying, repent and turn to Jesus today. Because the only other thing that you and I can do is to not turn to Jesus and not truly repent, but to turn to other things which will bring about more death, more destruction, more hurt, more pain, more separation from our Father in heaven who has extended His mercy and His grace and His love and His kindness in such a way that we can turn to Him by faith in Christ, repenting of our sin. So what does it look like for you? What does this look like for you as you sit and you hear and you listen much in the same way that John the Baptist's hearers were hearing and they were listening What does it look like for you to truly hear with open ears, to truly hear the message of repentance? And what kind of change will this truly and really make in your lives as you leave this place? Is your heart being rocked this morning in any way? And if not, I pray. I pray that your heart will break. I pray that your heart will open. I pray that there will be evidence that the message of repentance that points you to Jesus as your Messiah happens. In what ways does your lifestyle actually point to the fact that you are repenting on a moment by moment, minute by minute, day by day, month by month, year by year, you are continuing to move forward to Jesus in repentance and turning from the patterns of the sin that are in your life and in your heart. Where's the evidence for you? The message of repentance 
points people to Jesus as their Messiah. I want you to look at number three with me. Number three, the message of repentance results in fruitful living. The message of repentance results in fruitful living. And in verses 7 through 9, we observe that John the Baptist is not looking for fake, mere, outward, physical appearance. He's looking for true repentance that is evidenced in fruitful living that is tied to inner change that happens inside of our hearts. The message of repentance does not result in this fake outward stuff. It's not about your religious language. It's not about your religious practice. It's not about what church you're part of or what group you hang with. It's not about whether you got your doctrine just right. It's about true repentant change happening in your heart and your life where it's evidenced in front of others. It is the result of turning or changing the direction of your life where true inward change happens. And you begin to desire to honor the Lord in all that you think, say, and do. That it's not about impressing others. It's actually about impressing the one who gave everything for you. That desire to honor the Lord begins to well up from deep within you. And then what happens is your outward physical life begins to change. You're, you're able to admit failure. You're able to admit sin. You're able to say, Jesus, I need you every single day. And that becomes the fruit of your life. It's about honestly confessing sin and asking the Lord to forgive you. And then moving forward and living in a way that that acts and lives differently than before. So, So you have to ask yourself. And as I did this study, I had to ask myself, what is the fruit of repentance in my life? Is there fruit there as I step close to those who know me the best? My wife, my children, some of my closest friends as I step in front of them and submit myself to them. Would they say, yes, there's evidence of the fruit of repentance? Or would they say, no, there's no fruit, therefore no evidence of repentance, change, direction, or turning from sin in my life? What would that be like for you as you step close to those who know you the best? Your husband or your wife or a close friend or a close family member. Would they say of you, Yes, this person's life is marked by the evidence of the fruit of true, authentic repentance. The message of repentance results in fruitful living. Look at number four. Number four, the message of repentance is specific to every individual. And in verses 10 through 14, John the Baptist basically has the crowd rocked, right? He's got them rocked at this point. They're kind of sitting in the midst of understanding that there is no hope without Christ. And they begin to ask this question, man, what, what, what do we do? What do we do? As John the Baptist describes what repentance looks like, 
He describes it as something that is very physically visible and individually specific for every person. Listen, the message of repentance causes you to turn or change direction of your life. And one of the specific ways that you'll know if your life is changing direction is if you are asking the right questions. If you're beginning to ask, what should I do to walk repetitively? The message of repentance is a spiritual message that has spiritual consequences and physical effects. In other words, when you are legitimately living in a responsive way to the message of repentance, then you will see specific change in the way that you live your physical life. Change happens when you hear the message of repentance and respond appropriately. And how are you doing at recognizing the change that needs to happen in the ways that you live What are some things that the Lord would want to change in your life today, right now, not tomorrow, not three days from now, not when you feel better about it, but right here, right now, as the message of repentance is proclaimed in your midst, what are some of the things that Jesus would want to change in you? Maybe for some of you, you're like me, and maybe maybe it's this desire and this need to have people like you. Or maybe if you're more like me, maybe it's this impatient desire inside of you to see everything change right now. The message of repentance is for today. It's for right now. And the best question that you and I can be asking is, Holy Spirit, please come and please illuminate and please reveal the change that needs to happen in the motivations of my heart and the activity of my hands and the thinking of my head. Please come, please reveal, please illuminate, and then help me, empower me, move me to change. Move me to be like Christ, the one who gave his life, the name that I proclaim, the cross that happened that day to save me. Help me to walk as a child of the king. That's what begins to happen in each of us. So what are some specific things maybe for you? that you can begin doing that will help you to continue growing in your specific context. Listen, each and every one of us is different. Though we are all tempted by the same sin, we all fail. There's a level playing field here, guys. I'm no different than you, and you're no different than me, and and I've made some gross, gross, sick horrifying, sinful decisions in my life. And you want to know something? I'm probably going to make a couple more before I die. And it's the reason that I need Jesus. It's the reason that this message of repentance is so refreshing and so invigorating and so life-giving for me. As I hear this message, I, I don't hear death. I don't hear condemnation. Why? Because I know whose kid I am. I know who I belong to. I know who has changed my life. Can you say that today? And are you living a lifestyle of repentance? I want to conclude this message here in just a minute, so I'll ask our music team to come back to the front. The message of repentance means turning 
or changing our direction. And just like turning that 42-foot-long RV around in the middle of Nashville, Tennessee, just as difficult and as hard as it was to turn that RV around, it can be the same for us to turn or to change the direction of our lives. For some of us in this room, gathered in this place together, for some of us, there are deep, deep, deep roots of sin in our lives that have been there since granddaddies and grandmas eons and ages ago. And we've been struggling against those sinful patterns in our lives have been attempting to change and sometimes feeling the hopelessness of what it looks like to see true gospel change happen in our lives. And I'll tell you this, one of the key pieces that can sometimes be missing is a proper understanding of repentance. Repentance simply means turning around. And so when a brother or a sister or a pastor comes to you or when the Holy Spirit illuminates something to you in the midst of your prayer time and your scripture reading, and, and they come to you, or the Holy Spirit comes to you, and, and they say, look, this, this activity, this behavior, this motivation in your life, this does not honor the Lord. At that point, you are enabled to repent, to turn, to change the direction, to change the course, to ask the question, what must I do? You know what I get a lot of times? Let me just go on a tangent for a minute. Parents, if you have kids, you understand this. You can confront someone for the direction that they're heading is wrong. You immediately get pushback. You immediately get defense. Sometimes you might even get somebody who says, well, I know that was wrong, but I really don't give a rip what happens. I'm going to go in my own direction. Right? I'm just simply saying, for us to have a heart attitude that simply says, what must I do, Lord Jesus, to honor you in front of people and in front of you? That's where we want to get to. In our gospel change study that our gospel communities are walking through, we're digging into this whole idea. And there was this statement that I think my friend Eric Bartos came up with or he found in there. says something like this. Without true repentance, there is no salvation. Let me say it again. I'm not John the Baptist, but I think John the Baptist would have said this. Without true repentance, there is no authentic, true salvation. Has Jesus affected your heart today? Has Jesus affected your life today? Are you living a lifestyle of repentance? Turn and change. Repentance calls us to turn from our sin and walk in forgiveness. The message of repentance calls us to turn from our self-saving efforts that points us to Jesus as the Messiah. Also calls us to turn from unfruitful living to fruitful living. Also calls us to turn specifically as individuals. It means changing the direction of your life. Let me say it again. Repentance means changing the direction of your life ask you guys to stand with us as we close there will be two people near the front there will be two people near the front 
that are available to pray with you and pray for you. You have needs in your life. Maybe you need to confess sin. Have somebody pray for you. Maybe this area of repentance is has not been easy for you and you're needing someone to pray with you about that, that the Lord would help you to continue to repent, to continue to walk in forgiveness, to continue to be open, to continue to confess things and repent specifically, then then these two are near the front to pray with you over the next few moments as we worship together. Let me pray with us and then we'll enter into a time of worship. Father, we thank you for the message of repentance. And Lord, I just remembered that I stood here and preached a message with a ball cap on. Maybe, maybe in some way, Lord, that if that ball cap were repulsive to some, that it would be the same as John the Baptist eating his locusts and honey and wearing his camel fur as he preached a message of repentance. God, I pray that you would change this church, change our group of people, Draw us to you and help us to love you in Jesus' name. Let's worship. You are listening to an audio message from The Well, a church in Hastings, Nebraska that seeks to be relevant, relational, and real. For more information, visit www.thewellhastings.com.